0: Good morning everyone. Good to see you. Nice to be here. If you have a Bible with you and care to turn to Galatians, we're going to look at the letter to the Galatians and the chapter 1 of Galatians, uh, verses 1 to 17. A tremendous letter. I'm reading from the New International Version. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, not, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be the servant of Christ. I want you to know, brethren, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was it, nor <coughs> was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For so you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father's. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Now, Galatians is a wonderful book, oh, Paul visited Galatians, we're not sure which part of Galatia it was, it was maybe ethnic Galatia, the majority of scholars used to always say that, Um, ethnic Galatia was in the north of Galatia, it was was, uh, inhabited by uh, a band of incomers from Gaul, Gaul was the old fashioned name for France. And they were of French origin, they thought, and they settled in the 3rd century in the north of of Galatia. Um, Or it was maybe ethnic Galatia he visited. Um, (coughs) So that was ethnic Galatia, as the north. But in the south, um, there was another area. And the argument goes that maybe he visited these places um, Pisidian, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra and Derby early on in his ministry it can be fitted into about Acts 14 before the time of the Council of Jerusalem and uh, that's provincial Galatia so there's ethnic Galatia, the bit settled in the 3rd century BC by people from Gaul or um, provision, provincial Galatia which was part of the Roman province Uh, in the south of Galatia and two two facts emerge that if he did go to south Galatia then the letter to the Galatians is probably the first letter he wrote, that makes it very significant probably before the council of Jerusalem, probably about AD 48 um, he wrote this letter and also um, the south Galatian area is a mosquito ridden area and therefore the folk are subject to malaria there and later on in his letters Paul talks about um, the fact that he's got a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to buffet him which we reckon is some physical ailment and some of the scholars have tied up South Galatia and the, the, the thorn in the flesh to be malaria, recurrent bouts of malaria from which the Apostle Paul suffered. So anyway no sooner had he set up some churches in Galatia than like fleas a dog uh, the false teachers came along and started to try and undermine uh, <coughs> all that he was and all that he said. Um, they attacked him first of all they said oh he's not a real Apostle. He wasn't one of the guys that was with Jesus. Uh, he, he couldn't be an Apostle. And um, and then they attacked his message. They said, his message is good as far as it goes um, about believing in Christ and so on. But but really, you ought to be careful about the Jewish customs. And you ought to be careful to practice Jewish customs like circumcision. And they were bringing them into a new bondage, really. And so Paul, when he opens up this letter, he gets, what we would say in Glasgow, gets torn into them for what's going on. For the false teaching. Um, and uh, he, he really believes in this gospel as the basic thing that people need to know. I was in Brazil at a place called Sao Paulo. I was standing with a missionary uh, beside a great area. It was like a First World War battlefield. The missionary explained to me what had happened. What happens out there is, they build favelas, you heard of the favelas, the shantytowns. First of all you go to the supermarket, you get some wire netting and cardboard and polythene and all sorts of stuff and you build yourself a house and then later on if you establish yourself a bit more, you build a wooden house. If you get to the stage of building in stone or brick, then they tip off the authorities in advance of this. And one day they'll just arrive and say, in an hour's time, the bulldozers will be coming. And they wreck the whole place and you've got to start all over again. Imagine what that means. I said, Davy, if I came here, I would be a politician. I wouldn't be a preacher, I'd be a politician. he wouldn't he said? Within a year, they would have you corrupted the same as they are. He said, the greatest need of these people is the gospel the good news of jesus christ as savior and it transforms them from within and it makes them able to override the circumstances he says you wouldn't be a politician you have to be a preacher of the gospel and then i know somebody else do, do many of you do jigsaw puzzles Quite behind, so who's ever done a jigsaw puzzle recently? Ah, yeah, one or two or three, a four or five. And uh, <laughs> but there's some you can buy jigsaw puzzles where uh, there's a jigsaw puzzle in one side and there's another jigsaw puzzle at the back, back and front. If you're really clever, you can buy a jigsaw puzzle that does that. And there was one, and it was a um, the front bit of the jigsaw was a jigsaw of the world, and. <coughs> This guy was getting on great. Um, And somebody said, how are you doing so well with that? He said, well, you see, the other side's a jigsaw of a man. Uh, He said, if you get the man right, you'll get the world right. And that's what Paul believed. He said, as far as I'm concerned, he said, I wasn't sent out not by man or through man, but by Jesus Christ." who had confronted him in the Damascus Road, and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead, and all the brothers with me, sending this letter. My authority as an apostle doesn't rest on human appointment, it rests on divine appointment. And God has put me right, and so I'm able to put other folk right, as a preacher of the gospel, sharing my experience with them. And then it goes on in verses 3 to 5, He picks up this theme of the gospel and he gives them a beautiful chain link fence of Christian belief. This is the heart of Paul's gospel. This is the the fiber and the kernel and the core of all he has to say to them in verses 3 to 5. And in the limited time available this morning I would like to look at verses 3 to 5. The heart of Paul's gospel. Wonderful message. Um, There are five aspects of this authentic gospel in verses 3 to 5. The first one is God's overflowing grace. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is a wonderful word. God's riches at Christ's expense. You to say, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's a sunshine word. I call it a sunshine word. It's a great word. It has a a halo of shining beauty about it, reflecting the character of God. In primary six, we had our first man teacher in primary school. And he told us the story of the contest between the wind and the sun. Uh, to get a man to remove his coat. And the wind said, I'm going first out of the way, boy. And he blew, and he blew, and he blew. And the harder the wind blew, the more the man held his coat into him. And the sun said, You've had your go. Now it's my turn, son. Step aside. And the sun shone. And the man removed his coat. You know, that's what the grace of God is like. Paul says, The God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And God's riches at Christ's expense is point one of the captivating message of the gospel, God's overflowing grace. Um, The word is used in worldly uh, dealings uh, in the Roman Empire was the emperor's bounty. If some general had won a great battle and they were celebrating, having a party like they're having next door, were, grace was the, the emperor's bounty. They would give them maybe a free show in the in the great arenas of Rome. And put on bread and circuses and entertainment of all sorts. And grace is a word that was used for the emperor's bounty. And those of us who have experienced the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like having God's bounty handed over to us so that's the, the first wonderful thing in the Old Testament an illustration of it a man called Mephibosheth who was crippled in both his feet and who uh, could expect nothing but being put to death by the, the new king but he was summoned to the new king and he got a mule ticket for the rest of his life because he was the relative of Jonathan uh, David's pal and he got a mule ticket for every day at the royal table and he ate there it tells us in the Old Testament narrative like one of the king's sons that's what it's like to be a Christian <laughs> to be one of the king's sons, to know every day the provision and the presence of a generous God in the New Testament uh, there's a wonderful story the Lord Jesus told, Somerset on the writer said it was the greatest short story ever written, the story of the prodigal son, and how this pathetic bundle of rags comes over the hillside after he'd wasted so much of his inheritance and his father's money. He comes over the hillside and he says, "Eh, you know, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me as one of your higher servants and all that, he's got his speech all made up and it says that but the father said to his servants bring out the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his hand shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and let's kill it and let's celebrate and let's rejoice and let's have a party, it's party time my boy came back And you know, that's the glory. When God, in His wonderful grace, deals with us, He brings us home to Himself, and He welcomes us, and He showers us with blessing. Well, there's number one. We can all go, hey, that's enough, isn't it? (laughs) Well, that's only a (laughs) fifth of this wonderful passage. The second thing is not God's overflowing grace, but God's indwelling peace. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and you get this wonderful idea of peace God's peace wonderful peace lots of songs about it Graham knows umpteen he's just a walking encyclopedia of hymns about peace (laughs) the peace of God that passes all understanding and we sing about it so much within the Christian church and it it doesn't just mean absence of war, you know a couple of weeks ago they were going to have a truce when it was to start last weekend or something I never noticed that it had started and even when it did start it's just a, a temporary breather from the killing spree that's going on in the Middle East right now and it's so tragic, you think of the children just wandering about, they've no idea where they are, who they are, and where their parents are. What utter tragedy we see all around us. And there's so many folk without peace. Well I was in the Royal, three o'clock one morning I got disturbed. A new occupant in the bed next to me. It was a junkie and he was dragged in, I think he goes in regularly actually, the story goes, every few weeks he just goes in, he's no pyjamas, no slippers, no, no shampoo and all that, and he's complaining about all the stuff he didn't have, which they had to supply for him, and he was a most unhappy character, poor soul, absolutely not, not at peace at all, but you know, when God gets a hold of our lives, it's a double whammy blessing. <laughs> Grace and peace. If you go to Israel, the word they use for peace is shalom. Have you heard of shalom? Shalom. That's the conventional greeting. they say shalom to you in, in the street. Shalom. Shalom alecha, And so on. And uh, they meet you in the street and greet you with shalom. But the Lord Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. In other words, not like a conventional greeting. This peace is a positive gift from God. It's not just a conventional greeting. It's a positive gift. And it's summarized in the writings of Paul. It says, peace through the blood of his cross. That's how God, that's the length to which God went that we might have peace. His son died on the cross for our sin to reconcile us to God. To turn enemies into friends, that's the the way the Good News Bible translates it. He reconciles us. Reconciliation's a big word. Well, the the concept is summarized in the Good News Bible. He turns enemies of the cross, as Paul was into friends of the Lord Jesus grace and peace God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself Paul says to us and the cross is the fulcrum of history calling us to repent calling us to believe calling us to to be at peace with God Shalom is much wider than peace it covers fullness, it covers well-being it covers the concept of satisfaction it's an amazing word It, it covers the idea of harmony in our lives and all through the blood of his cross in a world of turmoil only the Christian way can offer real peace through the blood of the cross so there's two out of five here's number three coming up In these verses, Christ's glorious deliverance, God's glorious deliverance, he said, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ to rescue us from this present evil age. Christianity is a rescue religion. Some folk don't like the idea of calling it a religion at all. Religions like whitewash. Some folks say, but as a as a life changing message, the glorious deliverance that God gives us is, is is a rescue mission. It's used of Paul being rescued from an angry mob in the Book of Acts. It's the idea of the the Royal National Mission to Deep Sea Fishermen rescuing folk from storms in the North Sea and elsewhere. It's, it's the idea of violent, life-saving rescue. It's a rescue from slavery. Um, <clears throat> Every church should be a rescue shop. There's a man called C.T. Studd. Have you heard of CT study founded the Heart of Africa mission that became the Worldwide Evangelization Crusade. It's changed its name again, but I can't even keep up with that. Um, I can't even keep up with Bible translations, never mind missionary societies. But he started it and he had £50,000. Well, I realise to you that's nothing as part of your portfolio. at home he had 50 he had 50,000 pound and he was engaged to be married and uh, he wanted to give away all his money except enough to to pay for his marriage and his wife to be said if you keep that money I'm not going to marry you (laughs) give it away as well you know and uh, she, she made it's clear in no uncertain terms that he was only second in her life, <laughs> and she put it in the in the in the form of a wee poem. My Jesus, I love you. You're precious to me, far precious than ever Charlie can be. <laughs> <laughs> And so she made Charlie give away the rest of his fortune (laughs) and uh, Charlie that was that was the condition uh, under which uh, he was to know the glorious deliverance that marriage brings you know and we can know the glorious deliverance that God's salvation brings because Christ has died to rescue us to rescue us from the present evil age the rescue, the deliverance that God gives us is something wonderful. Uh, the, every church is a rescue shop rather than a hospital um, for the spiritual sick or a social club for those that want the front of their mind tickled. That's what a church not what a church is like. Old C.T. Studd says, um, Some like to go to sleep within, within the sound of chapel bell. I'd rather build a rescue shop within a yard of hell. <laughs> A rescue shop. That's what you've got here. A rescue shop within a yard of hell. So there's, there's God's overflowing grace and God's indwelling peace and God's glorious deliverance. And then there's Christ's unique sacrifice. That's number 4 in them. Number four. Two to go. <laughs> Christ's unique sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself... For our sins. It was a voluntary act. The Lord Jesus Christ was a real person. He wasn't superhuman, he wasn't subhuman, he was truly human. The only truly human person that's ever walked on this planet. And Martin Luther in his great hymn, Ein Festeburg, a mighty fortress is our God, he describes the Lord Jesus Christ in this, this phrase. He says, God's proper man God's proper man he was a real man he lived in the power of the Holy Spirit he said to a crowd once which of you convinces me of sin and nobody could say anything they sent officers to arrest him he came back without a prisoner "Who is your prisoner oh nobody ever spoke like this man how could you bring him back as a prisoner but he died on a cross a unique sacrifice because of his perfect life he alone in human history didn't deserve to die. We die, Paul says Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death. We deserve death for our sin. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A unique voluntary act. Loads of folk were crucified in the Roman Empire. What makes this death differently, you see? It's the, is the 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 quality of his character as the son of God that makes him different and qualifies him to come to us and to offer before us his unique sacrifice in my place condemned he stood there's a tremendous couple of lines from a very old hymn it used to be called a children's hymn in my place, condemned, he stood. There's a book called Miracle in the River Kwai. Man, I think it's Richard Gordon's the author. It's a story about how the Bible transformed uh, a Japanese prisoner of war camp during the Second World War. And uh, there was a detachment there building this death railway, as they called it. You've heard of it, the Burma Royal- Railway. And they were building this railway. And there was about 20, I think there were 20 men in this detachment and at the end of the day they handed in their shovels. They were utterly exhausted and beaten and starving with dysentery and beriberi and every sort of disease you could mention. What a state they were in! And the Japanese guard lined them up, he said there was just a shovel shot and he said the person who stole the shovels must step forward. Or I'll kill you all and he had a pick shaft and he used to beat them up with this pick shaft he lined them all up he said I'll kill you all if this person doesn't step forward and it was a man from a highland regiment that stepped forward beaten to death in front of his pals and then they counted the shovels and there weren't 19 there there were 20 there as there should have been and it dawned on all the rest of them that this highlander must have worked out in his mind that if he stepped forward their lives would be spared and that's what the Lord Jesus did he stepped forward that my life might be spared and he did it for you as well it's a unique sacrifice a substitutionary act, a voluntary act with a mindset geared to die for our sins a mindset geared to die for our sins. <clears throat> Hundreds of years before he was born, in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter fifty-three, it says, "All we, all we like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all." What a wonderful story! What a wonderful message! Christ's unique sacrifice, number five. The fact that this is a plan, this is God the Father and God the Son's glorious plan. See what it says? According to the will of our God and Father, He is the King of the universe. The nations are like that drop in the bucket to Him. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast, the psalmist tells us about creation. This is this wonderful God. And He doesn't work hard haphazardly and we can't operate him like you operate a puppet you can't just pull the strings and God will respond, it's not magical it's relational and it's part of God's plan they were hand in glove God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself what a plan the cross is the fulcrum of history. The fulcrum is the centerpiece. All the events in the Old Testament led up to the cross. And ever since Christ died on the cross and rose again, all the events of world history are pointing back to the cross. When it comes to final judgment, when Christ returns in his final judgment, we will be judged According to her relationship to that one who died on that cross, that's what the Bible tells us. Wonderful message. Wonderful to think that this is all part of God's plan. And our requirement simple: <laughs> Paul went the Galatia preaching that they should repent and believe the gospel and be baptized and have the gifts of the Holy Spirit and enter into the fellowship of the redeemed. Absolutely wonderful to think of it. Part of what Erich Sauer in his volumes called the unfolding drama of redemption. And you can be part of it and I can be part of it. All because of this wonderful gospel and this amazing man, Paul, who was sent to be the preacher of the gospel. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you for old Paul. We praise you for him. Thank you for what he suffered in your name. Thank you for what he did in your name. Thank you for what he said in your name. And we thank you for the Bible, the New Testament, that tells us this glorious message of our wonderful Saviour who can give us, who alone. And give us grace and peace in our lives. Thank you Lord and help us this week. Whatever we face. To know your grace and your peace. Your pardon. Your strengthening. By the Holy Spirit. Help us to live the Christian life. In your strength. For Jesus sake. Amen.